And you were a part of that because we didn't know much about the disease at that point. And us as pastors, we trusted that once it was over and once the curve was slowed, we would be able to go back to church. We didn't know we had to wait for permission. We thought we were willing participants. We didn't think that we were being told to do that. We thought we were being requested to do that. As a matter of fact, some states like in Florida wanted to still go to church during that time. And as dangerous as that might have been for their people, the governor sided with the Constitution and said that's still their right to gather just as it was the right to gather and have peaceable protests during that time, just as it was right for the press to meet during that time. So the governor allowed it, but most churches remained closed anyways. What am I trying to say? I believe we as Christians are adults and are able to make those decisions. But what I'm concerned about in the midst of this is that something sinister has begun to happen. And I want to preach to you today about whether or not you're being conformed or being transformed. Because what I have noticed is that rights and liberties are not taken away oftentimes at the pointing of a gun or a revolution. Oftentimes it's like the frog being boiled, if you've heard that story, little by little by little. And so what I want to do is ask you to be open-minded to this message and to be honest with yourself. Have you been conformed to something in these last eight weeks, two months, or are you being transformed to the mind of Christ? Let's start in Romans chapter 12. So good to see you here once again. And I hope that everyone will get encouragement out of this. And I also believe that this message will apply to not only this situation, but others. So don't think that we're going to just focus on this today. But I want to use this as a, a launching point. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How many just saw the title? of the message. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. And how does it happen? By the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So before we launch off of this passage into some modern applications, let's just make sure we understand the passage. Paul is writing this letter to the people who live in Rome. He is saying to them in a place of intimacy, calling them brothers and sisters, that they need to look at God's mercy and then understanding God's mercy, offer their body as a living sacrifice. So what is the mercy of God? It's the crucifixion of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So we are to look to the cross as our example, and then we lay down our lives. But what are we laying down our lives for? It says it's holy to do this, it's pleasing to God to do this, and it's our true and proper worship. All of that holy, pleasing, true, and proper worship all comes from living a sacrificial life. But why? What is the purpose and how does it work? Well, it says by not conforming to the pattern of the world, but being transformed in the renewing of your mind. That's how it happens. And why is it good that it happens? Because then you're able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's put it in summary. We're brothers and sisters with Paul today. We are to look to the cross and now lay down our bodies. How do we do that? 
by being transformed in our minds and not being conformed in our minds to the pattern of the world. And what's the benefit of that? Now we can test. Now we can approve of what God's will is for our lives. So God has a will for your life. Somebody say, God's will for my life is good. It is pleasing. It is perfect. Amen. So now think about it. What has happened during these last two months? Have we been transformed to the mind of Christ during this pandemic to think more like Jesus, to act more like Jesus? Have we made a sacrifice in our bodies by transforming our minds? Because how many know your body only goes where your mind tells it? You know, sometimes people say it's hard to read the Bible. Well, is it hard to pick up the remote and watch Netflix? I mean, the same way your body picked up the remote to watch Netflix is the way you can turn on the audio Bible and watch the Bible or listen to the Bible. And yes, you can even watch it. There's books of the Bible that have been made out to be movies, like the book of John. You could just put on the book of John and listen and watch it. So really, we can't use an excuse, I can't serve God. I can't do these things. No, as Christians, we've been born again, empowered by the Spirit, enabled to no longer be conformed, but to be transformed. And so you and I aren't to sit around and just take whatever anyone gives us, let alone me, a government leader, someone that you may love, because how many know people you love can be wrong? My grandpa, Italian, used to eat raw meat. How many know I shouldn't keep doing that tradition? Okay? Now, once again, it's not based on people's position, expertise, those kinds of things that we trust and conform or rather be transformed in our thinking to. No, it's according to the word of God. That's how we know what we are to be transformed to. So whatever is not according to the word of God, we are to be transformed to it. Uh, against it and towards the word of God. So if the word of God says, don't do this, but the world says, do it, we get transformed from doing the thing to not doing the thing. Let me make sure I'm giving the right examples. I got like a bunch of negatives here. Let's try again. The world, let's say, let's, let's come up with an example. The world says homosexuality is good. Somebody say, make it plain. If you are conformed to that mindset, if you are conformed to that mindset, you will never know God's perfect, pleasing will for your life. You'll never know it. But if you reject that mindset and you're not conformed to it, you will have your mind transformed to God's sexuality. Is everybody tracking with me right here? Let's kick down the AC for me, please. I'm definitely cool, and I'm the one in shorts and all this as well, so is that okay? If you guys get a little bit hot, but let's just kick that AC down a little bit. Thank you. So now let's think about the last four months. What things have entered our minds that may be conforming us instead of transforming us. I got four things. Let's put them up there for you guys. I want you to see it. They're all here, and then I'm going to go through them individually. How many have heard during this time, church is not a building? Okay, let's go to the next one. How many have heard Romans chapter 13 is a reason to obey everything the government tells you? How many have heard that? Let's go to number three. How many have heard that risks are bad? That risks are bad. Don't take a risk. Don't take a risk. And number four, how many have heard that freedom is selfish? How many have heard those things? Okay, let's go to number one. Right now, the devil is using ignorant, oompa loompa, useful idiot Christians to repeat this stupid saying right here to try to stand, can I make it more clear, to stand against what we are doing. We have never said church is a building. 
Nor has any Christian in all of history said church is a building. The underground church right now in China who is fighting for their rights to have buildings are not saying the church is a building. What they are saying is the church should have the right to meet in a building. What don't you get about that, you oompa loompa? You fool, what can't you comprehend? My family is not a house, but my family has the right to meet in a house. Would you please stop repeating that stupid slogan? No one thinks that. That is a straw man. No one is saying church is a building. Not one person ever that I know has said that. But we are being conditioned to think that over and over and over. Why? So they can push you out of the building, push you out of having the right to have a building. The Bible talks about in Hebrews that we are not to stop meeting together. Now, we understand there may be times of sickness, and the Bible tells us how to quarantine. We have done seven weeks of quarantine. People have called the quarantine time the Noah's Ark of our time, and it takes more faith to stay in to get out. Okay, if that's what you cowardly want to say, I get it. But listen, when do you get out of the ark? When do you get out of the ark? When do you know to get out of the ark? And everybody says, well, I'll know to get out when my expert tells me to get out. Listen, friends, that is how every evil regime has controlled people over the years. When you can no longer think for yourself and you need someone to think for you. Thank God that our country honored religion and said that we could practice it and gather together with it. I understand that I can meet with my wife online. I understand that. We have been doing technology before most of all these churches. But how many know I can't do what I did with my wife last night online? Hallelujah. I got six kids. We're going for a Corona 7. So if you want to continue to stay online, that's fine. But stop using this terminology to be against the church that wants to gather. And so what they're wanting us to do is fall for this. Church is not a building. Church is not a building. Church was never closed. We're still open. Okay, well then just hand me your building then because I guess you don't need it. Just give it to me now then. I guess you don't need it. If, if it's the same as meeting online, then just give it to us. Just give it away then. You don't need it. You said it's just the same being online then, right? Oh, see, now they back up. Now, oh, no, no, that's not, that's, not, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we don't need a building to have church. We don't need this and that. Okay, we all agree with that. We all agree with it. We understand what I did yesterday preaching the gospel in the city. I didn't need a building to do that. Doing Bible studies, I don't need a building. I get that. But the point is, I still get to have a building as well. It's like, what would you rather be, rich or healthy? Of course you would rather be healthy, but can you be both? Wouldn't you want to be both? I'd like to be rich, and I'd like to be healthy. Okay. Is there something wrong with having church in a building and church outside of a building? No, we have them. We own them. We pay for them. So give us a reason not to meet in a building. 
And see, that's why we have to go to the second one. Let's go to the second one. God help us to know our rights during this time. Romans 13 tells you Christians to submit to authority. And our governor has said that you only get 10. Don't you take more than 10 because you're not submitting to his authority. How many have heard Romans 13 beaten over your head and every Christian's head these last couple of weeks? It's like the new judge not lest ye be judged scripture. They know zero of the context. The guy who wrote Romans 13 was arrested himself three times and beheaded by the government. Do you think what he said was, do whatever they tell you for as long as they tell you? No, it's very clear. Verse 3, for the rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. When the Roman government was providing rights for those who did right and consequences for those who did wrong, Paul was obeying that including paying taxes, including uh, going to the censuses, and all the other things they asked them to do. The moment the Roman government asked him to do something wrong, he no longer listened. And so now this is where people tell us that this is not a gospel issue. Meeting in the church building during the time of a government Lockdown is no longer relative to what Paul was going through. They're trying to conform you to their thinking that Governor Pritzker gets to tell you what is a gospel issue. Listen to me, Governor Pritzker. You don't know what a gospel issue is if it was to hit you on top of the head. This is a gospel issue to us because it has to do with our rights to practice our religion. If you don't think it's a gospel issue, then that's fine. But to us, it's a gospel issue. Why is it a gospel issue? Because my right to gather secures the rights for my children and my children's children for generations to come. Because if this is how they push this button today, how are they going to push this button a month from today, two months from today? We want there to be enacted in law that we are deemed essential and that pastors get to do what is right for the congregation in regard to the health and the well-being of the people. We do not want to be excluded from that conversation because we don't trust the government with that power. So for someone to deem us unessential and a non-gospel issue, that's debating words to me. It would have been so much better if someone would say, you do you, we do us. For example, right now in Indiana, the governor said, according to the constitution of our state and the constitution of America, we're going to let churches reopen. Here are our suggestions and guidelines. Wouldn't that be much easier? Because then churches take responsibility, open the doors, they do what's best for the people, etc., etc. They would not have this fight on their hands because they've been given the right to meet. And guess what? Some Indiana churches said, we don't want to meet. And guess what? Because of that, everybody think about that as we get to number three. Now we're thinking risks are bad. How many know when you drove in a car here, you took a risk? How many know that when you go on the bus, you take a certain kind of risk? How many know when you live life, you take risks? The recluse who stays at home today is there because they're sick. I'm talking mentally sick, and we need to pray for them. The recluse is not our example. Let me give you the argument of a recluse, though, and see where you fall 
on this, risks are bad. A recluse could say to you, going in your car is more risky than staying home. You should stay home. Or to the groceries, have the groceries come in. Having a job that you and I may have that interacts with people, at some point, the recluse may say, that's too risky. Stay home. You'll never catch the flu. You'll never catch the whatever things coming down the road next. And so what does the recluse have in their favor if the argument is now based on risk? The recluse beats all of us. Do they not? They have less risk. But is that the way we're supposed to live? Are we supposed to, in our life, eliminate all risks? See, some of us are being conformed to that right now. If you're being honest, you're being conformed, and the media wants to conform many of us to believe that risks are bad. How many know it was risky settling in this nation and developing this country? How many know it was risky going to war and securing our freedoms? How many know it was risky for astronauts to take, to take space shuttles to the moon? How many know it was risky for the civil right leaders to step outside of their churches and start marching? How many know that there is always in life a risk-reward principle? So who gets to decide those? Well, the Bible says each person according to their conscience gets to do so. And good government should give us guidelines on that. For example, driving is risky. But let's mitigate the risk. Everybody wear a seatbelt. Everybody drive the speed limit. Stay within your lane. Use turn signals. How many think those are cool? Use those. What have you done? You have lowered your risk, but have you guaranteed your safety from this place to that place in your car? So you have not guaranteed your safety even though you minimize the risk. Now what you must do is what? Decide, is the reward of traveling there in a car worth the risk of possibly dying, being in an accident, etc. in a car? Now let's look at what we've learned during this time of pandemic. Where were we at the very beginning? All of these risks. You, you might catch it. You might not know if you have it. You might be a super spreader. You might kill grandma. Your kids might die. We have to all figure this out. How many know as time has gone on, the risks have now lowered? What have we found out? What have we found out specifically in Chicago? 93% of those who've passed have had preconditions, and the great majority, over 86%, are 60 years and older. Sad. Isn't that sad? Is anybody okay with that? I'm not okay with that. I want to do something about that. But how many now know that I still have to live in a world of risks? How many now know you still have to live in a world of risks? And so we can try to either bubble wrap the entire world or we can start to live with a certain amount of risk that we're willing to take for reward. And let me just be clear. I'm willing to risk coming to church so that I can be here and glorify God with my brothers and sisters. I'm willing to do that. And you, by being here, have showed you're willing to do that. So there should be a place for you. Now people might say, well, what about you guys now going out and contaminating the world? I thought you were being a recluse still on lockdown, obeying everything Mayor Lightfoot said, so you shouldn't be close to me anyways. You shouldn't be anywhere near me. You should be keeping your six-foot distance, right? You shouldn't have anything to fear. I'm not going to be by you. Oh, well, what if you live in the family of someone else that doesn't want to do it? They need to work that out between them and that family. 
Are you going to say they can't go to the grocery store and be social distanced in that same house? Are you going to say that they can't do the other things in that same house? Well, then take that up with Judge Judy and figure out your lease agreement. But anybody who's here and now goes back around preconditioned people or those who are older, I hope you'd have enough common sense to do what's been beaten in our head for the last seven weeks to do. Shower, wash your hands, clean your face, do all the things, stay away from them. Don't get grandma sick or the, the person that has the preconditions. But that's a risk that you had to take and decide with grandma when you decided to live with grandma. And so do we love grandma? Absolutely. My parents are over 70 and they would be here right now if they weren't already retired in Florida. So let me ask you a question. Was it risky being a Christian back in the day? Oh, yeah, look at what Hebrews says. I'm going to read the whole context so we can get it in closing here. Remember those early days after you had received the light when you endured a great conflict full of suffering. Ours is nothing compared to what others have gone through, but it's a little bit of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. How many have been exposed to that? You support this church or you come and you're, you're exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. And let me just say to all of the pastors and my friends who aren't doing this but are standing with us, God bless you. Do not be an oompa loompa and decide with someone who is punishing churches. Don't do that. You shouldn't do that as a Christian. At least say, Mayor, let them meet if that is between them and God. Verse 34, you suffered along with those in prison. Hopefully we're not going there today. And joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. I said to my wife, I said, we've worked so hard for all of this. The devil would like to take it all away right now, wouldn't he? In lawsuits and all of that. And I looked at my wife and I said, but it would be worth it. I said, at this point, all I wanted to do was just have church. I was kind enough to let the community know that we didn't do it for media. Uh, people had asked us, what well, did you want the governor to know? So we let him know. Now it's become such a media circus that our president has gotten involved. And in our second service, Willie Wilson is going to be here and to ensure that what happens today in Chicago gets to the president's desk because this has gone too far. But I said to my wife, you know what? God was good enough to give me all of those things. I can lay those things down. How many for you, Christianity has been a blessing over the years? Many of us, we got off drugs, alcohol. We stopped cheating on wives, spouses. We started to have blessed families. We save our money now instead of wasting it at the casino. How many know you can give back to the Lord now? Should, should it be? The Lord has done nothing but bless me, but should I now suffer in his name, I'll be willing to do so. He said, you need to persevere so that, you, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. See, I want to see what God has for us on the other side of this. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. And by my righteous one, they, uh, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to the one who shrinks back and are destroyed. But we are those who have faith and are saved. And so how many are going forward with Jesus? Amen. And if you've known us as a church, we've never picked fights like this. It's not in our nature. We are very underground, very low-key, just serving the Lord. But the city wanted to pick on us with a few other churches. And so let's get to this last point. So often people now are saying freedom is selfish. So let's say today the COVID thing is not your fight. So up until this point, you might be, Joe, man, you might be like, Joe, you went so far. You've called people names. I mean, I don't know if I can go there with you, but I do support you in a way, you know. Okay, great. But let me just ask you a question. Have you noticed this in your culture during this time? Because it's COVID today. It's something else tomorrow. Remember what the Germans did to the Jews 
What did it start off with? Did it start off with let's just throw them in the back of trains and put them in the, uh, the ovens? No, what it started off with was a campaign of propaganda against the Jews. It's the Jews' fault that we're losing the wars. It's the Jews' fault that we're not having the prosperity of other nations. It's the Jews' fault. And as they begin to program their people, over a generation, others began to think of Jews equaling bad people. Jews were anti-science. Jews were anti-prosperity uh, for their nation. Jews were anti-leadership. And then it wasn't but very long before they could say, turn in a Jew. Do your country a favor. In the name of safety, in the name of your country's well-being, turn in a Jew. And over time, as the Jews were shipped off in the trains, there's a story that as that train, uh, trains would go by the town, one town had a church right next to the train. And they would hear the Jews, and they're screaming and groaning as it would pass by. And the preacher said to the people, sing louder. Sing louder so we don't have to hear what's going on in those box carts. You see... During that same time, there was a man, a preacher, by the name of uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Almost forgot it. Thank you, Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he said, I'm not going to turn in a Jew. And people began to say, well, well, you're not a patriot then. You're not good with our government. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to start preaching against Hitler and his Nazi Germany. But you know what? They took away his church. So, yeah, church wasn't a building, but he no longer had one. They took it. So he couldn't have a voice, a place of gathering. And then over time, they started to arrest him and his members. And at this point, he began to realize, I have no other choice at this point but to join the armies that are against Germany and plot to kill Hitler. Now, those of us here that are on this side of history, we applaud him because we look at Nazis Germany and we go, man, wasn't any German there willing to do something? Oh, yeah, there were. There were people like Dietrich Bonhoeffer who took off the collar robe in a sense and took on the spy robe and began to work against the regime. But what happened to that pastor? They caught him and they killed him. Why did the German revolution fail? Because by the time the good people knew that they were in that level of danger, they had already been subsided. There was only a few revolutionaries left. No, of course, I'm not calling for anything of violence, but I'm saying as the time goes on, how much more do they need to take from us before we wake up to see what they're doing little by little by little? And so now for us to want to have freedom, what is the mindset? You're selfish. You're selfish. You want your small business to open? You are selfish. You want to go to church and worship? Even though the death rate is only 0.03% of 12 million people, more people have died in abortion clinics during this entire time. You want to go to church. You're responsible for death. You're selfish. And they want to shout it in your face until what? We cower and give up that right. And now that's one less right we have for them to fight with next time. You see, there's an agenda the Bible teaches us in the end times for Christians to lose their rights, everybody get this, and cannot even buy or sell unless they take a mark of the beast. How do you think the Antichrist gets to the point where he can control an entire population? How about just a bigger pandemic? 
just a bigger pandemic, and then now the government says to you, unless you have this medical chip that gives us 24-hour awareness of how you're doing, and it keeps us get track of you through GPS, lets us know where you're at, unless you have that chip and are a part of the answer to our problems and help us have safety, unless you get the chip, you don't eat. And here's part of you getting the chip. Get off this religion thing where you keep saying you're the only ones. And so Christians, stop being so ethnocentric in your beliefs. Be more like the Muslims who just play it off to the end. Be, be more like the Hindus who say probably everybody gets another chance at this. Stop saying your way is the only way. Be a part of the solution. Take the chip and there'll be no problems. And what does the Bible say at that time? Many Christians will be right there doing it, and they'll think they're doing the will of God. They'll think in the name of safety, well, this is what Jesus would want. Jesus would want me to take the chip. I'm a good neighbor. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. I'm going to take the chip on behalf of my neighbor. It's their right to know if I'm sick or not. It's their right to track me where I'm going. Shouldn't my neighbor have all that information? And you know what? Gosh darn it, those preachers who talked about heaven and hell all the time, those guys were hate mongers. We're woke. And they get that chip. And what does the Bible say now? They cannot be saved. They have sided with the Antichrist. And there are many things that we repent from that God says we can be saved, but there'll be a time like in Pharaoh's army where your heart is so hard, you're handed over to that and it's over. Now you might say, pastor, that sounds a little bit like in game, the Avengers, some type of star Wars movie. As a Christian, I believe that. And so what am I supposed to do? Prepare myself for that. So what does Paul say? It is for freedom. That Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is not for us to give away the freedom that our forefathers paid the price for and laid down their lives for. Not in this generation. We will not hand back over our freedoms and be burdened to a yoke of slavery by the state. We will not be manipulated by governments who use their authority to intimidate us. We will stand on the word of God with those righteous revolutionaries during the time of the anti-slavery movement when the South tried to burden them to keep slaves, during the time of the civil rights movement when the governors tried to keep segregation together. We will hold on to our freedom and not let it go. And the beautiful thing about freedom is you're free to choose to use it or not. You can take your freedom and you can lock yourself in a closet right now. You can. Isn't that beautiful? How many know in other countries you can't do that either? You're required to be a part of the machine. You're required at a certain age to join the military. But in our country, listen to me, young men, if you wanted to lock yourself in a closet and play video games the rest of your life, you could do that in America. But here's the thing. As you do that, you have to understand you are not part of the solution. You're part of the problem. My daughter is allergic to peanuts. She's allergic to peanuts. And that has caused us a lot of problems throughout uh, her life. She's 10 years old. And I have been the unaware dad at times handing my own daughter things that cause her the reaction. 
And I cannot tell you how bad I have felt at those times. We were out getting candy, and I said, oh, you know, you like this Snickers. You'll love this Snickers, and I give it right to her. And then all of a sudden, she says, my throat is itchy, Dad. And then I race home to get the Benadryl. Now we keep it with us. This was in the early years and all of that. But how many know you should have the freedom to still eat a Snickers bar? How many know you should still have that freedom? Should I look at all you Snicker bar eating people out there as selfish? Don't you know how dangerous a peanut is to my daughter? Let's outlaw it. And then no one will become anaphylactic or go into shock from peanuts. Sounds smart, doesn't it? Well, save a life. Don't eat peanuts. Save a life. One of my friends or pastors that, that we see on the radio, his daughter died Christmas Day from a shock, going to anaphylactic shock, allergies. Ate something, boom, dead, died. Find out what that was and make it illegal. How about swimming pools? You like swimming pools? People die in swimming pools. Let's make that illegal. And you want to own one, you selfish, selfish pool-loving person. You want to eat peanuts? You want a pool? What else do you want to do? Oh, you want to drive? People die in car accidents. We're going to outlaw your car. You know, as a matter of fact, we're going to outlaw a whole bunch of stuff until we look like the Amish without electricity and all of our homes smell like manure. Because we're going to go back to farming, folks, and I grew up with the Amish. See, because if you want anything more, listen to me, if you want anything more than an Amish lifestyle, you are selfish. That's not what they're trying to convince us of. And the Bible tells us the exact opposite. You're not selfish to want freedom. Where do my freedoms end? Where your rights begin. And that's the world we're supposed to live in as adults. In closing, I want us to think, just maybe one keyboardist up here, please. As we come to our message, I just want to be honest with you. I feel like I'm even being tempted to be conformed. Can you scroll to the end, good sir? Thank you. Because I understand what the media says. We're not Oompa Loompas. I get it. I understand. And I found myself in many of these ways during this time being so convinced of their arguments that I would have to question. And I know if I've been there, you've probably been there. Maybe some of you are more woke than me, and that's awesome. But let's be honest. Haven't you started to think to yourself some of those thoughts? Haven't you heard people you love say those things to you? You're selfish. Here's what I want us to understand. There's a difference between us coming to church and loving each other and willingly taking a risk and then saying, we want people to die. We want to hurt the neighborhood. There's a huge difference between that. And at some point, everybody's going to have to make a difference, a decision rather, to live. I've just made mine today. I've made mine today to live. And I want grandmas to live. That's why right after service, I'm not slapping grandma high five. I want those who have preconditions to live. That's why after this service, I'm not going to go find someone with, you know, asthma problems and start hugging them. But I just wonder if that grandma or that asthma person was where I was at today. 43 years old, healthy, a family, looking around at a world that seems to be crashing and burning everywhere. I wonder if they would be where I'm at. You see, we need to be able to make those decisions for ourselves. And not only today. Remember this message, not only today. Please, if all you heard it was in the context of COVID, then I did my job bad. I'm so sorry. I just wanted to use it as an example because I guarantee you, as you go on in life, you're going to hear these things. 
I was out preaching at a park yesterday. And guess what? It was supposed to be closed, but it was packed. They wanted the right to assemble. We were there preaching. Guess what they did? Tattletailed, got the police there. We then eventually left. The police were very respectful to us. We had a little discussion over a certain code. But as we were leaving, you know, a woman came up to that police officer, probably the only time she's ever thanked one. But she wanted her and her white privilege. It's usually people who look like me, by the way. Upper, white, middle class. Got to love them. They're my folks. Thank you, officer. Thank you so much. I just wonder if she would have been thanking that officer if he would have been enforcing the code of the city and asking them all to leave. Do you see the hypocrisy in that? We want our right to peacefully, peaceably assemble, but that dude doesn't get the right of freedom of speech here. Why? Because that person annoys me. The moment we start determining where your rights begin and my rights end based on a person's annoyance, we're in trouble, friends. The moment we stop living free and we allow every expert with some scare tactic to put us under bondage again, I am telling you, you will be walking around in a spacesuit. And I want to guard us against that. I want to guard us from people who want to use and abuse your freedom, your choice, what our forefathers thought that we can have. And I say this from the bottom of my heart. You choose what's best for you and your family. But in California, in the last two months, they've had more suicide attempts than the previous year. Right now, doctors who have heart patients, diabetic patients, and all other kinds of life-threatening illnesses are begging their patients to come in, but they're so afraid. Small business owners are shutting down by the groves right now. Large businesses are shutting down. You can go right now on a website and look at restaurants that have shut down and said they're never opening again. Some of them open for 30, 40 years. And we're supposed to take that as we're loving our neighbor? How in the world is that loving our neighbor? You can make a decision to never open your small business, but shouldn't that person have the choice to whether or not they want to? I care about them. I care about these people who are in their homes and they're anxious. A thousand percent increase to helplines across the country. An alcohol addiction. And what are we supposed to do as the church? Say what those Indiana pastors said. The Indiana church that can meet right now. Some of these pastors got together and some of them even did it with Trump. We're so mad at you telling us that we have to be on the front lines. We're so mad at you asking us to reopen. We're not opening until the sports can open, until all of that can open. You mean to tell me, church, we're supposed to be last? I thought I was supposed to be the first. I thought we were supposed to be like Mother Teresa. I thought we were supposed to lay down our lives. I thought we were supposed to live selflessly for a community that needs to see courage again. And so that's what I hope you have, that you stand up wherever you're at in life for the things you believe in. Because maybe it's not COVID right now, but maybe you live in a dangerous neighborhood and all the other neighbors are afraid to stand up to what's going on there. But you get a cross, you get a speaker, you start preaching the gospel every day. You start bringing attention to what's going on in your corners and you start believing God for that neighborhood to change. Maybe you're the right person for that, to see community transformation because you believe in something different. 
Maybe it's your business that's supposed to open. Maybe it's your company. Maybe you're the one that's supposed to stand up to an LGBTQ agenda that's trying to hush us all up. Take away our rights from public schools. We pay taxes. Now all of my friends paying taxes have to pay their high rate of taxes and private school because they don't want drag queen story hour. When is someone going to stand up there and go, I'm done with drag queen story hour. If they can dress up as drag queen, I'm coming during story hour dressing up like Jesus and I'm going to read the Bible to them. You want to dress up like a freak, I'm going to dress up like Peter, Paul, and James. Put me in the library, ma'am. Let's, let's make it fair. You see, when are we going to say, I'm done being conformed? Because I think they have showed us how far they're willing to go. They're willing to make threats against the church. They're willing to make threats against pastors. You know the threats they're making against the brother in Romania has already been locked up in communist prisons and been beaten for his faith? He told me this morning that if they put chains across the door, he's already bought a chain breaker. He said, my only worry is I won't have the strength to open it, to crack it open. Do you have any idea the courage that man is taking? The Romanians have suffered in communism. They are the only ones that I can really point to as a large group of Christians. I know there's some maybe Chinese Christians in this city, but they are the only ones that have hundreds and thousands of followers in, in, in a coalition of churches, and they are the ones shouting it from the rooftops. This is what they did to us in Romania. This is how they did it to us there. Don't fall for it here. And yet, we're so woke, we're going to tell those who have suffered under communism, church is not a building. They understand what happens when churches lose buildings. They understand what happens when, church, when pastors are arrested. It's not just that people in the church suffer, the community suffering. You see these drug cartels in Central and South America murdering pastors. You know why they do that? Because the pastors are preaching freedom from the drugs, preaching freedom to the criminals, and those guys target them. That's why Christians have always been at the front line of revolutions, because we have known what God has said in his word and what our rights are. So it's not selfish. We're not angry at a person called Mayor Lightfoot. What we're saying is, this is what we treasure and I just want to say this for my third closing. There was an Indian missionary, a missionary to India, working with the locals, and they had set up a crusade. And I know this gentleman because he told the story. He said they set up a crusade, and the locals got so upset and said, you can't do that here. You can't do that here. And so they started unplugging everything. They started becoming a nuisance during the time that, that everything was going on. And then at one point, they, you know, got their sticks and they were going to start, uh, you know, kind of marching around this, uh, this crusade and threaten everybody. And they said, we're going to call the police. We'll beat you. And they just were causing a riot. And the pastor said, let me just help you out here. I'm willing to die right here for this. I'm going to keep preaching. And I think that's the problem with a lot of pastors is there's always some little line that we don't want to cross. Here was mine. I'll just be honest with you. I don't want bad reviews on Facebook. We've worked so hard for that. We do so good for the community, but once we went online first time, boom, that was out the door. Had to shut down the review, the review capability. I tried to answer them. They wouldn't listen. Okay, they're, they're that. So I crossed that line. But you see, some pastors won't even cross that line. The next line that, that a lot of us fear is financial stability. What if they take this? What if they sue us? What if they sue me out of all of my money that I've saved over 20 years of ministry? And I just talked to my wife yesterday, and I hope you're here today. Let me just save everybody the time. I'm willing to die for Jesus. 
Just in case anybody was wondering where I'm going with this, where the end is out there, like the, how long are you going to go? What are you going to do? I'm willing to die for Jesus. You have crossed the line in my conscience now that I have to stand here for. You've crossed the line. So yes, I'll go to jail. Yes, I will do whatever. That's where I'm at now. Sorry, you've brought it to that point. And I pray that our president comes and supports us. And I pray that this lasts for generations to come. And I pray your businesses are protected because they're coming after your businesses because you didn't give the transgender person a, a happy birthday or a wedding cake. And they're coming after all your city jobs because if you don't want to be a part of their re-education to call him Bob, Bobby, or you know, by a girl's name, now you're going to be threatened. And I've already preached on this, that there's a line we can go to. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll follow all of those protocols. But I'm telling you, there is just two steps away before you have to renounce your Christianity to keep a city job. You know what I'm saying. Most of you are like, okay, I'll call you by that name. I'll do, okay, okay, okay. But, but the next, I mean, what's the next step? Come on, friends. Before you know it, you'll be at that place where Dietrich Bonhoeffer was at, saying, I am in a mess right now, and there will be very few people around you because we didn't stand up when it was time. We're going to dismiss you by Rose, so would you please stay seated. Father, we thank you today. If you don't know Jesus and you want to have assurance of your salvation, would you ask Christ to forgive you of your sins? You have come to a church in the time of revolution, a time of standing up for our rights. But it's most important that you know Jesus. We're not right-wing political activists here first. We're Christians. So if you don't have Christ as your Savior, repent of your sins. Ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life and forgive your enemies as we are forgiving ours. If you're here today and you're already a Christian and you are committing your life to God, would you make sure you're not conformed but transformed? And maybe there was things that I missed. Would you pray for those things that I missed even right now? You might say, Pastor, but they're trying to do this. They're also doing this. They're trying to change the way we view sexuality. They're trying to way, way, uh, change the way we view, you know, our, uh, our freedoms. I get it. There's more we could be here. But pray right now for God to strengthen you, to conform, uh, to transform you and to be conformed no longer. Lord, help us. Teach us. Make us strong in your, in your word today so we can test your will for our lives. We know church is not a building, but the church needs to have a building and a presence in this city. Lord, today we agree that uh, there are risks in life, but not all risks are bad. Lord, we agree that we are to submit to governments as long as they're doing what's right, God, but give us the strength when they do what's wrong. And Lord, help us to stand for freedom and help us not to buy into a lie that we're selfish because we want to be a free people in this city and nation. A few moments, would you pray? Pray for me, pray for the reporters, pray for everyone involved in this, pray for our president. Nothing would make me more happy than to show up and not see the, the, um, the media out there. I'm looking to go back into a different book of the Bible, but the Lord has told me that during the time of this, what we could call exodus, that I am to resume a posture of speaking to the powers. So I apologize if you're waiting for us to go back into another book of the Bible. Just pray for me, pray for me. Pray for us to have words of wisdom to give because they're monitoring all of our messages now. They're getting snippets. And I feel we owe it to them to help them to understand why our religion teaches us based on faith and fact. A few moments, Lord, we pray for peace through this situation. We pray the president will hear that the Supreme Court, whatever leaders would be, would resolve this. We pray for all those who have suffered from COVID or are suffering now or have lost loved ones for you to be with them, to love them, to embrace them. May they know this is a church that has never denied that. Never. 
And even if I were to catch it and die, it wouldn't change one thing of what was said here today. But Lord, I pray that you'll be with everyone who is suffering because of this. Small businesses, the depressed, the anxious, the addicted, those who are home in abusive situations and are afraid to get out, those who have other health conditions but can't get the service right now because of their their post-traumatic stress. Oh, Lord, we just ask you to be with our nation, be with our leaders, strengthen us. May we be strong and lead by example and see what is coming ahead. May we be prepared for what we face ahead. May our children be better prepared. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. If you love the Lord, can you bless him? If you could just remain seated, we're going to ask that you would continue in social distance as we dismiss section by section. This section will be dismissed. Take your time if you do have to go. The reporters are out there. We know what's waiting for us. Please don't congregate around the building. We'll dismiss you, and then after that, you can do whatever the good Lord tells you to do. All right.